I am filling in for Richard. He's away on a holiday, so we have two scriptures. The first one is Isaiah 38, verse 1 to 8. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Ammon, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your, horse in, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing. It is promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Avis turn back 10 steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the 10 steps which it had declined. And the next one is in Luke 18. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in the front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you, he said. Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the when they, people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. I'm with George. I love that hymn. Um, I don't know if I've—I I don't know if we've sung it before, and I've told you this before. If I have, too bad. You'll hear it again. Uh, Horatio Spofford is the one who penned those those words. Uh, he and his family were supposed to set sail from England to the States, and he was—he uh, was delayed. He wasn't able to go on the trip with his family, so he sent his family on ahead, and he said, "I'll—I'll I'll meet you over there in a few weeks." And it was on that journey that the ship ran into trouble and sank, and Horatio lost his wife and his children, um, and many aboard were, were drowned uh, as the ship went down. And a few weeks later, indeed, Horatio was able to take the trip from England to, to the States, and the ship came to a stop over the place where the ship, his, his wife's ship had gone down, and the captain called for him and said, this is the spot where your family lies. 
And he prayed, and part of his prayer was, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. And it was on the rest of that journey that he stayed in his stateroom and he wrote the words to that hymn. That has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon, but I just love that hymn so much. Uh, And to have that sense of deep grief, and yet to be able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Um, Lord, we pray that your word only would be spoken, heard, and obeyed that you would open our eyes to see your glory, our hearts to receive your love, and our minds to understand the depth of the grace that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you hear uh, the words you hear about or speak about prayers of healing, what sort of healing immediately pops to mind? Physical. Excellent. Gold stars all around we immediately think of physical healing. We think someone is sick or they have a disease or something is broken and, and, we, and we want to pray for them to be physically healed. And, of course, that's the obvious answer to the question. But if we only think of healing as being physical healing or believe that the only answer to a prayer for a person who is sick or diseased or broken is a physical healing, then we can very quickly get into problematic situations, and poor theology. If if we we have this idea, if we we just pray hard enough, if we just pray with enough faith, if we just get enough people to rally around in unity and pray, then the person will be physically healed. Well, why, why is it that we want to believe that? We want to believe that because we formed a belief system that says, even in the here and now, God's will is that no one should suffer or no one should be sick. Now, in the kingdom which is to come, this may well be true, and we'll return to that in a few moments. But to believe this about the here and now actually has less to do with God and his, the purposes of his kingdom, and more to do with our faith and our desire to avoid pain and suffering or to find a way to try to explain pain and suffering in a world created by a loving God. These are understandable desires as far as they go. That if we just pray enough with, with, with enough faith, then no one ever has to be sick or suffer. But those are not right desires. It's just not true. God never says, if you have enough faith in me, you will never be sick or you will never suffer. In fact, in several places in the scriptures, he says just the opposite. If you follow me and believe in me, you will suffer. You will face difficulties and persecution. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, not for healing, but for suffering and even death. It is really more about our desire to avoid suffering and sickness than it is anything to do with God. This primacy of the physical in terms of healing also leads to some very bad theology when God doesn't heal or when the prayers that we're praying seemingly go unanswered. Because if if we say that all we need is enough prayer, enough faith, and God will heal any and all disease, aside from suggesting that we can actually manipulate God and force him to do our will, which is entirely theologically problematic, 
We also must come up with a different theology to explain what happens when a person isn't healed. Well, what do we say when healing doesn't take place? Oh, well, it's clear that the person who needed to be healed just lacked faith. In other words, we can get God off the hook by blaming the victim. Except in several healing accounts in the Gospels, we have absolutely no evidence one way or another how much faith a person had. The centurion's servant is healed. We know the centurion had faith, but we know nothing about the servant. Or the man on the mat who was brought with his four friends. Jesus acknowledges their faith, the four people who brought him, but says nothing about the man who was healed. And the dead daughter? We don't know what her faith was like. It was others who brought Jesus to the situation. Okay, well, okay, if it's not about the the person's lack of faith, then it must be the lack of faith of those who are asking God to do the healing. So, So what we're saying is God will allow a person to suffer in sickness and faith because those praying or the number who are praying are not sufficient. It's as if we're saying God would really love to heal so-and-so, but he needs a hundred people to sign up on the list and pray. Only God 88, sorry, no healing. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's what that theology suggests. That's not a theology of a loving God. That's a theology of a torturing God. Okay, well, maybe it's not about faith or lack of faith. Maybe it's about sin. Maybe the reason the person isn't healed is because of uh, sin in their life or, 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 or they, they just haven't confessed their sin. And that's preventing God from healing. Again, we're blaming the victim. But we're also suggesting that God has his limits. His hands are tied. He would love to heal, but but he just can't because there's some sort of sin that's in the way. God can't break through sin. Well, if that was true, then he never would have sent Jesus to die on the cross because sin was all over the place. Again, the healing accounts and scriptures, we, we know next to nothing about the sin or lack thereof of the lives of the people who are healed. And in at least one account in the Old Testament, David spends days, weeks, fasting, confessing, repenting, grieving over a sin he had committed, and yet his daughter still dies. Plus, we have an account from John chapter 9, the story of the man born blind. And Jesus says, his blindness has nothing to do with this man's sin or the sins of his parents. So it's not about lack of faith of the person or lack of faith of those praying or even about sin. Also, eventually, these prayers for physical healing run out for everyone. Because eventually, what? Everyone dies. Everyone succumbs to sickness or disease or some cause of death. Therefore, under this theology, the primacy of physical healing we come to see that at some point for every single person, there is a prayer that is not answered. So I guess that at some point, that means we all run out of faith, or our loved ones do, or we end up committing some sort of unrepentable sin. Do you see the problem with that theology? The other problem with this theology arises, and is in fact even more problematic, I would suggest in many ways, is that if we only consider the physical healing, then we set limits, at least from our perspective, 
on God's activity and his goodness in the world. Suffering, pain, or sickness may not be physically healed, but there are other forms, other realities of healing that can take place in a person's life beyond the physical. Now, I I think I said this the last time I was here. If if not, well, I should have. But do you remember that the, the word for healing in Greek is the same as another word? Remember what it is? The Greek, yeah, the Greek word is for healing is salve. What does that sound like? Salvation. And salvation, as we know, is about more than just going to heaven when we die. Salvation is about rectification and reconciliation. It's about making all things right. Healing, then, is not just about the physical. It can be emotional, mental, relational. It is salvation and it is reconciliation. Remember the story from a couple weeks ago? I think, I think Todd taught on this one, if I remember correctly, but I can't remember. Uh, the story of the ten lepers. And the story of the ten lepers helps to bring a lot of this understanding together. All ten were physically healed, right? Though we do know nothing about their faith or their sin life. But only the one who returned to Jesus to praise God, only to that one did Jesus say, your faith has made, me, made you well. But they were all made well, weren't they? All ten were healed. They were all made well. So why would Jesus say to the one, and only that one, your faith has made you well, unless well means something much greater than you don't have leprosy anymore. His faith has done something else. His faith has brought salvation, healing, not just the physical. So while a disease may not be physically healed, prayer for healing may lead to internal personal healing of old wounds turned into sacred scars. It may involve the healing of a relationship long shattered. It may set forth in the person deeper faith or reliance on God. It may invite a person into a greater sense of what it means for them to be a witnessing disciple as one who has gone through sickness and suffering and pain. It may allow for the person to enter into acceptance or peace about something. Healing can be about repentance and forgiveness. Anything which leads to salvation or healing between that person and God, between that person and another person, between them and themselves, or between that person and the world around them, is healing and an answer to our prayer. Healing then extends not just to one person, but, but out to many around. And healing is not just restricted to a person. Healing can be for a people, a nation, right? The, 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 in, in the book of Revelation, it says the trees, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of nations, for the salvation of nations, even, even for the whole of creation. Salvation healing, then, is about restoring, repairing, and reconciling all that has been broken, infected, or shattered by the disease of sin. Think for a moment about healing stories in Scripture. And I went back, and as deep as my shallow mind would go, in the Old Testament, I can only think of four actual accounts of healing. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's a pretty thick portion of our book. 
but only four accounts. The first I can think of is when Moses and the, and the Israelites are in the desert and they're all being bit by snakes and God says, put a snake in a pole and raise it up and if they cast their eyes upon it, they will be healed. They won't die from the snake's bite. What that is a story of is it points to God's love and care for even a rebellious and sinful nation. They were in the midst of being sinful and yet God offers them healing. The next account I can think of is in 1 Kings 17. Elijah prays for a widow whose only child has died, and he prays for the child to come back through, for, to life. And through this prayer, the woman turns to Elijah and says, now I, know, now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. It is only after this experience, so yeah, the widow's son was raised, and that's great, but there's also a healing that takes place in Elijah, a form of salvation that takes place in Elijah, because it is after this that Elijah gains the confidence to go and confront the king who is trying to kill him, and then he takes on the prophets of Baal. It is a turning point for a faithful remnant of Israel. That act of healing brings healing and hope to an entire nation of people. In 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman has leprosy. He's the general of the Syrian army, and you'll recall the story, if you know it, that he goes to Elisha to be healed, and he dips himself in the water seven times. And what ends up happening is both Naaman and the king of Syria see that there is a true king in Israel. The healing is not just a physical thing. Yeah, that happened. But it has brought an awareness of the presence and existence of the God of the Israelites into a foreign nation. And finally, the healing that we heard about this morning, the healing of King Hezekiah. Then Hezekiah, he has just been told by God, you're going to die. And he turns his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord, Remember now, O Lord, that I implore you how I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the Lord replies, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears and I will add 15 years to your life. Physical healing, wonderful. His prayer is answered. But notice what, notice the why or what happens as a result. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hands of the king of Assyria and defend this city. Sure, Hezekiah gets to live an extra 15 years, bonus to him. But the actual purpose of the healing had nothing to do with Hezekiah. It had to do with the healing and rescue and redemption of an entire city, a nation. God goes on to say, and this is a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Keep in mind that one word. We're going to get back to it in a moment, that this is a sign. The purpose of healing was not just the physical well-being of Hezekiah, but for the whole people of Israel, so that they would know that their God would protect them and their God would keep his promises. Do you see how much bigger prayers for healing actually are? And what happens when we restrict them to just one aspect? Notice, too, how few healings actually take place in the Old Testament. Even when we move to the New Testament, after the Gospels, in the book of Acts, there's actually only a handful of healings recorded, five to my account. 
Though two of them, admittedly, said many were healed, but still, in the whole account of the book of Acts and the rest of the epistles, again, a large chunk, physical healing only takes up five stories. Paul and and others in the epistles do talk about the gifts of healing and to pray for those who are sick and to lay hands on those who are sick and to gather the elders and lay hands and pray for those who are sick. Though we also know that neither Paul nor Timothy ever get over their physical pain or illness. And yet I don't think we can say either of them lacked faith. So then, what are we to think about prayers of healing today? How is it still connected with our faith today? How do we pray for healing, which is more than just physical? Well, what have we left out so far? We talked about the Old Testament. We talked about Acts of the Apostles through to the Epistle. What section have we forgotten? Not a trick question. There's four parts. The Gospel. Jesus. Yeah, I forgot about Jesus. The Gospels, the healings of Jesus. In fact, almost all the healings in Scripture are found in these four books. And most of them involve Jesus. And almost all of his healings, even when he sends out his disciples to heal in his name, almost all of these events take place in the first two years of his ministry. Not in the last year when he's on his road to suffering in Jerusalem. And another thing we know about Jesus and the prayers for healing is that there would have been tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, of people in Galilee and Jerusalem and around Israel who were not healed. They may have had great faith. They may have desperately wanted to be healed. They may even have heard about Jesus, and they weren't healed. And even those who were healed eventually died. So, at the very least, healing wasn't permanent. So the question is this, why then does Jesus heal? What was the purpose of Jesus' prayers for healing in the scriptures? Why does he heal? Sorry? So that God could be glorified? What were you going to say? To authenticate his power, his messiahship? Yeah. Yeah. At, the, at, at, at one level, it is to show the power and the love and the mercy of God and that he has the authority of God with him. But think also back to the Old Testament text from Hezekiah and also to the rest of John chapter 9. If you don't remember John chapter 9, I'll just read you the first couple of verses of that story. As he, Jesus, walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. So right, it gets back into that theology we talked about earlier. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. I just find that an odd statement in general for Jesus to make. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Every single one of Jesus' healing miracles were not just about the physical, but also, and more importantly, they were always about, what was the word I asked you to remember from Hezekiah? A sign. They were signs. They were signs pointing to who Jesus was. They were signs pointing to God above. They were signs pointing to the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God was about and what it would be like. 
In the kingdom of God, all the deaf, dumb, blind idols in this world will be no more. And the darkness which has veiled our hearts and souls will be removed. And so that the blind will be able to see God. The mute will be able to speak his praises. And the deaf will be able to hear his voice. In the kingdom of God, which Jesus is inaugurating, there are no outcasts or marginalized. There are no unclean outsiders. There is no one left out or left behind because they cannot physically keep up or because they are lepers and and, and not allowed to be around people. And so the lepers are made clean. The woman who was bleeding is restored to her relationships with her family. And the lame get to walk. In the kingdom of God, there is, which is to come, there is no more death, and so the dead are raised. In the kingdom of God, which will come in its fullness in the second coming, there are no tears, so grieving finds peace. There is no suffering, so those in pain are set free. There is no disease, so the sick are restored to health. They are signs. Do you see now how prayers of healing works even when the physical ailment can remain? Do you see why we ought to always pray for healing, but for a healing which is so much bigger and far-reaching than what we could possibly even imagine? Do you see why we ought not say that just because a physical healing has not taken place, that no healing has taken place? And why we should never start crying out about a lack of faith or unforgiveness or unforgiven sin? Can you see, can you begin to see all the ways in which we ought to pray for healing? How we ought to expand our prayers. So should we pray for healing? Absolutely, yes, we should. Just don't be blind to all the other healings that might be taking place. And never promise someone that God is going to heal them. Because if it doesn't happen, then we end up in bad theology and the blaming cycle. I pray for healing all the time. When my children get sick, whether it's a sore throat or a cold or something worse, when I go into hospitals to visit people, I even pray for myself when I get sick because I rarely have anyone around me, so I take care of it myself. No, it's not an awe thing. It's just a reality. But first, I try to listen to God for how I ought to pray for healing. What form ought healing take place in this circumstance? Because oftentimes it's not just the physical or not the physical at all that God wishes to address. And remember that at times, eventually for all of us, death is itself a healing from sickness and suffering. I will often pray for God to physically heal, possibly through the miraculous, but also through the the healing of others, through doctors, nurses, medications, sleep. All that is healing. And also with a constant awareness that another healing, a deeper healing, may be what is required at the time. So I pray, Lord, thy will be done. It's important to ask the person the same question that Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus. Jesus turns to the blind man and says what? What do you want me to do for you? What... How, how do you want me to pray for you? What, what healing do you need? 
person at the time may not really feel a need for the physical healing. They may trust that that's going to get taken care of, but there's something deeper that they may require that needs to be healed. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a worry about their family or their whatever. What do you want me to do for you? But also this week, we want to think about prayers of healing which go beyond the personal and the physical. We want to pray for healing, for healing for nations that are divided. Think of our neighbors to the south. Their nation is possibly on the brink of a civil war because of the division that is taking place in that country. We ought to pray for healing. We want to pray for healings for families torn apart by whatever it is that's ripping at their souls and at the fabric of their beings. We want to pray for healing for a created world which we continue to destroy through our behaviors. Ultimately, we want to pray a prayer of healing which is always salvific, which brings healing and restoration and reconciliation. Healing which helps reveal to the world, points to a sign of what the kingdom of God is like so that the blind out there can see and those who are deaf might be able to hear and those whose hearts are weak can be healed. This is what the healing was about in the Old Testament, in the book of Acts, and in the epistles, and in the Gospels. A healing for the sake of the world. At the end of the book of Acts, Paul has been brought to Rome. He's going to stand trial for some of the things he's been saying. And so he gathers the Jewish leaders of Rome around him. It says, from morning until evening, he explained the matters to him to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, pointing to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. Some believed, some found salvation, some were healed, others walked away unhealed and in disbelief. Now, if you don't believe me so far that healing is about more than just the physical, and that healing can take many forms, and that healing is ultimately about salvation, then listen to these words from Paul at the end of the book of Acts. And Paul is really just quoting the prophet Isaiah. So they disagreed with one another, and as they were leaving, Paul made one last statement. He said, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, Go to this people and say, You will indeed listen but never understand. You will indeed look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard for hearing. He said, And he wondered, Jesus, so many of Jesus' miracles were about seeing and hearing. They have shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. I would bring them salvation. I would save them. And finally, Paul says, Let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, for they will listen. Healing is about, praying for healing is about so much more than the physical. It can take place on so many levels, and we ought not just get trapped into one view of understanding it. So, Lord, we pray that as we enter into this week, as we think about prayers of healing, that you would allow us to understand these prayers in a broader and deeper and wider sense.
So, Lord, let us see all those people and situations and conditions in our families, communities, and around the world in need of healing. Oh, Lord, let us hear your voice and the voice of your Holy Spirit tell us how we ought to pray. And, Lord, let us speak prayers of healing for the sick, the outcasts, the violated, and the victims. For families, churches, and nations in suffering and pain because of broken relationships and lost trust. And let us pray for this earth which you made for us and called us to be its caretakers, but which through so much of our behavior we have made sick. Oh, let us pray for the healing of the world. Amen.